Welcome to Finding Help, stories of therapy, recovery, and community. My name is Matt Shedd. As you may know, one of the things that we discuss regularly on this show is addiction and recovery, and today is no exception. The issue of internet addiction and its many manifestations is something that I think that we as a culture are just starting to recognize and grapple with. And I think most of us can likely identify some form of internet addiction in our own lives, be it mild or severe. And if we're honest, how could this not be the case? The majority of our species is now online in some capacity. We have undergone a drastic global overhaul in how we process, store, and communicate information and images. We've been thrown into a sea of unprecedented instant access. So how could we expect this situation not to feed some of our worst, most self-sabotaging impulses? Add this into the mix. It's not just that we're adjusting to a new technology, but that our normal tendencies toward compulsive behavior are actively being targeted and exploited. It's well documented now that tech companies are harvesting our data to constantly seduce us to pursue more instant gratification and make their services more addictive. Even as you're listening to this, these companies are gathering more data on you and me for the purposes of hijacking our neural networks and reward systems to make us more dependent on their products. All of this amounts to providing our collective and individual consciousness with steady injections of dopamine, panic, and everything in between. These are conditions ripe for compulsive and addictive behavior on a massive scale. These are just some of my thoughts on addiction and how it relates to the internet. My guest today, Zuleika Strait, is actually a specialist in this area, so we'll transition to her thoughts and her experience here. Zuleika is a trauma therapist and certified addiction coach specializing in internet addiction. We talk about how internet addiction manifests in different forms, whether it's shopping, pornography, social media, or gaming. We also discuss how the underlying issues driving the addiction need to be addressed in order for any sort of long-term healing and recovery to happen. All right, that's enough intro. Here's my guest, Zuleika Strait. I have a private practice here in in Atlanta, Georgia, and I would say about 75% of my clients work in the tech and gaming industry because those are pretty big industries out here. Um, And I noticed this theme where um, they... Their work is not just their work. Um, They tend to become very, very consumed with it, Um, you know, sacrificing their downtime, sacrificing relationships. So, you know, it's it's kind of similar to me how a person who struggles with alcoholism may also work as a bartender, you know. Um, Right. So so I figure there's something going on here that's attracting them to this type of field, this type of career. Um, And perhaps there is some overlap with, you know, addiction in addition to the anxiety they're experiencing from their jobs that can be very overwhelming. So that kind of piqued my curiosity. And I did some research and I, I, you know, gathered some more information and found a program where um, I could become a a certified addiction coach and learn more about how to treat this. Um, It is its own issue. It's similar to other addictions, very similar in nature, Um, but it is still different because it's a process addiction. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so if I understand correctly, it was just kind of like by virtue of the location where your practice was and just presenting concerns that you're seeing a lot of clients come in with, 
right it, it was something that you just you kind of so you saw a need there and, and then so mm -hmm. you you went and sought out some additional training and is that right, right? yeah that's right and and so I, I actually work with um in particular I work with people that um are high achievers um so they're success driven and so because that's so prominent in Atlanta um you know I've, I've also been surrounded by tech like almost everyone in my family works in tech so um, so there's, there's a natural, you know, gravitation to clients who work in that industry. Um, so because of the combination of working with high achievers, working with really, really bright people, um, and this other issue that I, that I'm noticing that kind of drew me more to it. Tell us a little bit about what, what addiction, internet addiction looks like in terms mm -hmm. of the later stages, like what are some of the signs or symptoms? Because I imagine on some level, most of us probably have some form of it. <laughs> I, yeah. mean, I feel like I recognize it in myself, uh, mm -hmm. like when the Wi-Fi goes out or the power goes out and it's just like, wait, what do we do? You know, um, right, right. there's some, I think, and so I think all of, and, and there's, there seems to be increasing awareness around social media being being addictive, um, just kind of in the cultural conversation. So anyways, can you kind of describe that spectrum and what internet addiction looks like in the more kind of advanced stages? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, you're, you're absolutely right that we're surrounded by the internet. We're surrounded by technology. So, um, so it just makes sense that we're going to have more of a, of an issue with addiction these days, especially since, you know, the pandemic hit and people had to isolate more people had to distance more and they turned to the internet to connect to people. Um, so internet addiction is, is different from just using internet to connect with people or for a hobby. Um, so internet addiction is an addiction to um, specifically to forms of internet, including gaming uh, pornography, shopping, social media, and email. Um, I also like to include digital um, outlets as well, like Netflix or like binging on TV or movies. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so oftentimes, you know, these cause changes in mood, irritability. Um, it affects the amount of time that you spend, um, you know, on, with technology that leads to withdrawal if you don't engage with it. Um, and then, of course, this affects your social life, work, school relationships, and your financial as well. So what are some examples of, like, when people are really feeling the effects of this? Mm -hmm. um, like, how, how, like, what are some red flags? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so it depends on the form of internet addiction. So pornography, pornography, for example, um, it's it's the most um, risky and most dangerous type of addiction um, because of the influx of um, dopamine that your brain is getting from it. So um, so it releases this surge of dopamine, which is this neurotransmitter that's responsible for pleasure and joy. And um, our brain isn't really designed to get that level of dopamine at once. Um, and also serotonin, which is the other neurotransmitter that helps with that. So when we get this surge of it, um, it, it essentially fries our receptors, meaning that our brain eventually doesn't produce the dopamine naturally. So if that's the case, um, what happens is that we naturally will want 
more and more of that substance, in this case, the internet or pornography, um, to feel good again, you know, to feel happy, to feel joy or pleasure in life. Um, and if we don't have that, we do feel the absence of it. We do feel irritable and depressed and, and anxious because our brain isn't producing it anymore. Um, so, so pornography addiction, you know, is the most dangerous because of that. You do get a, an influx of dopamine, unlike the other forms. Um, so, so with pornography addiction, um, there's an immediate gratification. Um, fantasy can be everywhere. Um, and, and there's this privacy. So, so people who are addicted are not sharing with their partners. They, they do it in secrecy. Um, sometimes that means doing it at work or in the bathroom where, you know, people, it's just discreet. People don't know what you're doing there. Um, and it's not reality. So it changes your perception of what sexuality or sensuality really is. Um, it removes the physical need for intimacy or physical need for sexual gratification. So ultimately that, that changes your perception on relationships, on, um, on anything really surrounding sex, because pornography is a fantasy. Um, it, it exaggerates certain part of the, you know, experience. And um, so that, that makes you disconnected from the entire process. Um, it teaches you that you don't need physical connection, that you can have the same um, reaction or the same, um, I guess, level of pleasure without it. Um, so imagine what that does to your relationship down the road, you know? Um, mm, yeah. And then, um, so on the extreme end, it can get very dangerous. Um, so someone who's addicted to porn, um, so let me reverse. So essentially, um, internet addiction can bring out other diagnoses or other illnesses that haven't quite surfaced yet. So like paranoia, for example, um, or aggressive tendency. So if someone is a porn addict and they're watching some of the more aggressive stuff, like choking or dominatrix or things like that, and they have this predisposition to paranoia or aggressive tendencies, that can actually make that surface. And, and those people can mm -hmm. take it out on their partners or, you know, um, or start stalking people or, you know, go on these blind dates for, for the, you know, pleasure of, um, of gaining power and intimidation. And that's the extreme end. I'm definitely not saying that, you know, all people with porn addiction have that issue, but that is the extreme side of it. If you're not careful, of course. How do you begin to treat that if someone, like when someone is coming in and they realize they have, what will, we'll, stick with porn addiction here for a minute and then we can we can kind of transition into other forms of internet addiction but specifically with pornography addiction if someone comes in to get help with that and they're aware that there's an issue how do how do you start the process of addressing that with them right um <clears throat> so it's it's a creative process you know it's going to be different for everyone that i work with um, so the goal is to, um, not only stop the addiction cycle, whatever the cycle is for them. So understanding their triggers, understanding their cravings, um, discussing ways to prevent relapse and ways to replace that dopamine with something more healthy or more neutral. <clears throat> um, we also need to get to the root of the addiction and this applies to all of the addictions, you know, so oftentimes there's some other issue going on 
that is um, contributing to the need to turn to pornography or internet addictions. Um, so that could be um, fear of intimacy. That could be problems in the marriage. Um, it could be feeling overwhelmed and stressed at work and not having other outlets. Um, oftentimes, there's a root of trauma. You know, if they have their own sexual abuse history, um, it can manifest in porn addiction as well. And again, this, this applies to all addictions. The goal is to understand what's really causing um, someone to turn to a substance or turn to a, um, you know, something else to put a Band-Aid on the issue because it's really not solving anything. It's making it worse for them. We were talking specifically about pornography addiction. You you mentioned some other forms of, of Internet addiction. Um, email was one of them that you said. What were some of the other ones that you mentioned? Um, yeah, so they're shopping addiction, gaming, and social media. So, so the common denominator is this need for gratification. Um, it's usually instant gratification. It just comes in different forms. So um, with shopping addiction, um, so a lot of shop, a lot of uh, people who struggle with this are actually borderline hoarders. Um, they get their dopamine hit from hitting that purchase button. So either hitting the purchase button gets it gets them that dopamine rush or um, seeing those packages on their door, seeing those bags of whatever it is they bought, that, that gets, gets them the rush. Um, so with shopping addiction, it's not an issue unless it affects your daily life. And if you want, I can, you know, go over some questions that someone could ask themselves to see if they, they have an issue with this or if it's just a hobby. So um, so if someone, you know, is like financially well off and they just like shopping, they like fashion, for example, it's not an issue for them unless it's affecting their daily life. So in other words, like, is their partner okay with it? Um, financially, is it negatively impacting them to the point where it's affecting them paying their bills or like for, you know, a future, you know, reserve for retirement? If the answer is no, then it probably isn't an issue. Um, if the answer is yes, then that's something we need to pay attention to. Yeah, the, the I imagine there's something going on also with a, a similar underlying need for gratification or that dopamine hit, which I think we've all experienced if we're somewhat yeah. <laughs> self-aware when we're checking our email constantly Absolutely. or when we're refreshing our social media feed or just constantly scrolling right um, right mm -hmm. so is it would you say kind of there's there's it seems like that's kind of the underlying theme for for all of this which right is just this kind of um need for for newness or for something mm -hmm. surprising or um is that a good way to describe it um, yeah, so when it comes to shopping addiction, that is the case. Um, it's about getting that quick fix. Um, and there's there's a convenience factor to this, you know, like, back before, you know, Amazon and Postmates and Uber Eats and all this stuff, like we had to um, get dressed, like get in the car, go to the store, right. like, you know, be intentional with what we bought. And um, like going down, like it took effort. So there was a delayed gratification, you know? Um, so the part that, that makes it so challenging is the internet makes it so convenient at your fingertips. Mm. And it's just so much easier to forget any consequences of hitting that purchase button. Um, it's, 
and and again like they're use these industries these companies are using that to their advantage they know how to um make you have that dopamine rush so uh, a documentary that i don't know if you've seen it or not um what's it called the social dilemma social dilemma yeah yes oh my yeah, god yeah it's, so it's so well made right yeah. right so i think they focus mostly on social media but really that applies to all of these different forms of um internet addiction because they all have their own algorithm of how to get you hooked how to get you to want more and more and spend your money and become addicted, you know, so it's never enough. Because remember, um, with any addiction, when you get that hit, that's probably going to be the best hit. And then after that, you're just going to be chasing that feeling again and again, but you'll never have it again. So you're going to want more of it to achieve that same effect. So so these industries know that. Um, and that's, that's why they're so much more addictive. Yeah, I mean, and when you were just describing that, I mean, it, it, you know, like you said before, there's, there's imp important differences between process addictions and chemical addictions, mm -hmm. but that underlying the way that description that you just gave sounds like what you hear over and over again from people um, in long-term recovery, describing right. that they're, you know, all the drinks they had after all the times they got drunk after that first time or got high, they were trying to chase that initial high that they exactly. got. Exactly. Yep. Yep. That's the addicted brain right there. You know, just wanting to feel that pleasure, wanting to feel that high again. And, um, and because your brain learns not to produce that chemical naturally, you turn to those other things, those substances to fill it for you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So this is something I think about all the time, just because I'm kind of in the 12-step the context and, and treatment context. I do quite a bit of work there. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just curious to hear you kind of reflect on, you know, if we could get a little bit more philosophical for a second and think about sure. how, what, you know, what does this mean for our our culture and and that movie the social dilemma that you mentioned gets into mm -hmm. this a little bit <laughs> like, yeah like the breakdown the total breakdown of civic discourse and mm -hmm. um our ability to kind of relate and and or even have a common agreed upon set of basic facts or narratives mm -hmm. um so i mean when you think about all these things and how this is incentivized by companies that are very smart with artificial intelligence like what do you how do you feel about the future and and do you see like a way out of this because it seems mm -hmm. like more and more every all of us on some level are, are suffering from some form of addiction right yeah um that's a very good question you know so i i see the culture as a whole becoming more dependent on the internet and and digital forms. And, um, you know, my concern is with children and with teens. Um, you know, just imagine giving an iPad to like a five year old, for example, and taking it away from them an hour later, you know, so they get that influx of dopamine, they feel good, they're invested. And then you take it away, they're gonna have a meltdown, you know. Mm -hmm. So my concern is like, they are starting very early. Um, they're they're feeling that rush very early, um, and that that may might be a good segue into talking about social media since it's so prominent in the culture for you know children and teens these days. Um, 
but it, it's affecting them in other ways too, where they're not really learning healthy um, social skills, social development. Um, they're not learning how to make eye contact with people. Um, so it's, it's essentially causing a very disconnected, um, you know, group of people. Um, unfortunately, it's the norm right now, but I think over time, the more we research these addictions um, and the effects of them, people are going to have to do something about it. You know, people are going to have to step in or regulate it even more. Um, but we're not, we're not there yet, um, even though it's it's an occurring problem currently. But um, that's kind of why I'm doing this. This is why I write my blogs about internet addiction and trying to you know raise awareness on this issue before it gets out of hand. So. Absolutely. And I do, I do feel some encouragement by specific, like the, the, that documentary that we were just talking about, the social dilemma, mm -hmm. and that it was such a big, it, you know, it was like, the, it had kind of a cultural moment where lots mm -hmm. of people were talking about it. Yeah, um, because I think we're all feeling this on some intuitive level. Um, and some more consciously than others, but I think it, it struck a nerve because it it's like it's something where we all feel we're suffering from but we don't quite know how to grapple or, or deal with yet. yeah exactly exactly and you know i i know quite a few people who watched that documentary and they gave up social media completely like they disconnected they no longer use it um and then you know i'm kind of a moderate where i will use social media but i'm a lot more mindful of um, how much time I spend on it? And am I being deliberate with attending to other areas of my life? You know, so for example, if I'm on Instagram or TikTok, um, I will be intentional with not doom scrolling. So I'm not going from one yeah. video to the other to the other. Because again, the more of the instant gratification you get, the more addicted you become. And the most addicted form of social media right now is TikTok. Um, because they're a minute or less, you get that hit, and then you get the next one and the next one, you're not having to search for these funny videos like on Facebook or YouTube, you know. Um, it's especially dangerous for children with ADHD, well, people with ADHD, um, when naturally your brain, um, you know, has a hard time focusing on a single thing at a time anyway. So you're kind of reinforcing that um, the nature of ADHD, which is to be inattentive. Um, so that makes it easier for someone with ADHD to become more addicted to TikTok. Oh, wow. Yeah, I hadn't really even thought about that. Um, yeah. So the safer ones are the kind of the originals like YouTube where, you know, they're longer videos. You got to do some digging, do some searching to find the, you know, more entertaining videos. But yeah, it's transformed. I mean, I'm sure these these newer um, social media outlets are or learning from the previous ones on, on again, like how to get you um, hooked in and, and get your attention. So. Absolutely. That was one of the things um, not to talk too much about this documentary, but yeah. because it's so powerful and I, I just, yeah, I, it was something I, I just feel like it, it was desperately needed and, and people that haven't seen it need to need to see it. Right. Um, right. Mm -hmm. it's, because this stuff, just to your point of, of this whole conversation, I think it's dramatically changing our brain chemistry yeah. um, in in pretty significant ways. <laughs> um, and so I, anyways, what I was going to say is it, what, what was particularly eye-opening to me was the people that help build these very, uh, you know, dopamine infusing algorithms 
will not let their own kids yeah. <laughs> use use a iPad. Like they're they're right. militant. Uh, was one of the words that one of the guys used about about screen time exactly and that's because they know they they're the ones who create it so they know and it's interesting you know a lot of these um you know big tech computer people were the same with their own children you know so mm -hmm. they really limited the use of the of computers even um, so, so yeah, I think we need to kind of follow in their footsteps and, um, I'm not saying to completely give up on it, but because it's not going anywhere, um, but we do need to be more cautious and be mindful and literally treat it like a substance, you know? Yeah. Um, so caffeine, for example, like you're not going to drink it for hours and hours and hours all day. I mean, some people do like, I know they like kind of joke and take pride in like drinking five cups of coffee a day, but um, but this is a little bit different because it goes deeper. It, it hits different parts of your brain. Um, and, and again, like we got to get to the root of, um, um, of all of these addictions. Like what is the, what is the motive behind it? So for example, the shopping addiction, the motive is to fill a void. Like what is that void? So if this was a client I was working with, that's, that's what we would focus on. Like, what is it that you're not really getting in life? That's making you crave that, um, that next sale or that next thing that you don't really need. Um, because it's superficial. And again, it doesn't solve any issue. It doesn't get to the root of the problem. Right. Absolutely. And, and to get to that, to start to even ask those questions, mm -hmm. um, it's like, there needs to be a level of being able to tolerate some discomfort or, or maybe, or maybe just even just maybe the best way to start is curiosity around mm -hmm. Like what, when do I reach for my phone? When do I hit the Instagram or TikTok app on my phone? Right. Like what's the, what's the common, what's going on with me exactly. when I do that? Right, right. Yeah. Um, so was it, you know, I'm feeling anxious. Am I lonely? Um, am I bored? Um, like what is going on with me that made me reach for that thing? Um, so yeah, I mean, if, if you want, we can talk a little bit more about the social media stuff. Um, so, so the underlying need or the core motive when it comes to social media addiction is the need to be validated and to be accepted. Mm -hmm. um, and this is so common. When you think of any teen, they're going to need this no matter what, if internet oh, existed yeah. or not. Yeah, so. Right. Right. And so, so because they have that need, um, they're going to turn to what's what's available to them and what's accessible, which right now is social media. Um, so what triggers it is feelings of rejection, sadness, feeling like they don't belong. Um, so what we're noticing is that people who are addicted to social media um, tend to create um, like an online persona. So um, because online, you can belong to everyone. Um, you get the clicks, you get the likes easily. Um, there's false intimacy. Um, and, and you can become the most likable version of yourself, even if that is not truly you. Um, so there's, um, this theory where, um, there's these three personas. So there's our public persona, which is what other people see you as. So for example, a banker who wears a suit, who doesn't right. cuss, things like that. Right. Um, there's the private persona. So you curse, you 
Um, you don't like to do your hair. You like to eat bonbons, like whatever, you know? Right. Um, and then there's the social persona. So you look like a model. Your hair is done. Um, you might take 25 pictures snowboarding and post one every week to make it seem like you have this, you know, exciting, lavish life. You're always doing something fun. When maybe you took that those pictures like a few years ago and you're just kind of spreading them out. Um, so it gives the perception that you're constantly snowboarding, you're constantly doing something fun with your life. Um, and of course, like who doesn't like to see that? Like it's it's exciting, it's inspiring. Like we want more of that like, for ourselves. So we tend to put those people on a pedestal. Um, so the issue is that you start to identify with one of those personas. And that gives you a a fantasy, you know, so that fantasy becomes your reality. And essentially, you're losing connection with yourself, you're losing um, who you really are. And so underneath the surface, it's causing a a deeper level of depression and anxiety where it feels not okay to be yourself. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So and, and when that happens, I mean, well, first of all, what was going through my head as you were describing all that is just like the sheer amount of energy required to, yeah. <laughs> to to maintain. It's like it's like we when we're doing when we get pulled into this, it's like we like any addiction. It's like mm-hmm. we have another full time, sometimes more than full time job on top of all the other commitments that we have right. trying to mm-hmm. to to maintain it. And then the other thought that I had too, I, I, I've been a writer that I've been pretty interested in. His name's Cal Newport. He writes mm-hmm. about deep work. That was like a, kind of his big book called Deep Work. But yeah. he talks about just from a, even just a purely like leaving aside, you know, life fulfillment and all that, like, you know, human connection and all that, but even just from a purely financial perspective Mm -hmm. like we we would be better off (laughs) and businesses would be better off if we weren't so obsessed with being constantly connected um, Mm -hmm. because we would actually be using our brains to solve important problems rather Mm -hmm. than this kind of constant stimulation yeah um, that's just actually really distracting and may may sometimes give us and I think social media companies are very good at giving an, an email can do this very well too. give us the illusion that we're getting a lot done or that we have, we have a big audience (laughs) or whatever, but it's not really. uh, Mm -hmm. And and so anyways, I think that's part of the trap too. It's like you, you get this sense, this illusion that I'm, well, I'm getting, I'm getting things done. I'm posting things, I'm connecting with people, but like Mm -hmm. you're, you might not actually be doing, doing anything significant. Right. That's actually a very good point. It changes your perception on what true connection or true productivity really looks like. And um, I work quite a bit with millennials and I notice that where there's this um, need to have it all, you know, and I think um, millennials were sold on the idea, like they were surrounded by it in the, the movies and the shows they watched growing up where, you know, someone, like I was talking to my husband about this, how like on Modern Family, like you know, the husband's a realtor and they have this like amazing $500,000 house. And it's like so <laughs> unrealistic, you know, um, but but they're being sold on this. And then with social media, um, when you're seeing fake persona after fake persona and constantly um, seeing celebrities and people in entertainment flashing their life, it makes you want it. You know, that becomes the standard. 
Um, but it, it takes way more to have that um, realistically. And um, but again, the core of it is like this need to connect that they're not getting. So um, so in my line of work, that's that's what we do. We you know, I do the depth psychology where we address the core issue and we talk about ways to truly have those connections, truly have those relationships that are fulfilling. So you're not turning to social media for a quick fix. And the issue too is, you know, with like Instagram, these Instagram models eventually are going to age out. So they don't have mm-hmm. a plan B. They don't know what they're going to do when, you know, Instagram no longer exists or they age out and people aren't interested in them anymore. So, you know, I foresee in the future, that's going to become a pretty big trauma for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. If we could talk kind of about some success stories mm-hmm. um, or, or you know, kind of if you could paint a little bit of a picture of what this looks like when people start to kind of break out of this addiction and make room mm-hmm. or, or various forms of Internet addiction, make room for, for other things in their life. Can you kind of describe moments or, or, or kind of general trends that come to mind of when you're working um, with people around these issues? Yeah, sure. So, um, so, you know, I am a trauma counselor at the end of the day. So I do like to get to the root of the issue. So we'll address it on the front end of how to navigate this addiction. Like, how can we come up with a solid plan? Um, I am part of their accountability team. If they need me, they know how to contact me so that they don't relapse. Um, So we'll come up with ways to set healthy boundaries with the substance, whatever it is, whether it's gaming or shopping or social media. Um, The boundaries are so important because it's retraining their brain to not seek that instant gratification. Um, Also, it's teaching them to tolerate what it what it means to not have that in their life as much. So how how are we going to replace it with healthy things that give you dopamine? Um, and that's an important factor because if it doesn't give them the dopamine, then they're not going to want to do it. Like there has to be some incentive for it. Um, so we, we discussed um, and come up with a plan to replace it with healthy outlets, um, setting those boundaries, managing your time, like gaining self-awareness on how much time you're spending on these um, different outlets and what are the consequences? Like oftentimes they're so in it that they don't even know what the consequences are. Um so, so that's a big part of the work that I do. And then, of course, targeting and managing it on the front end, um, or sorry, on the back end of what is the trauma that could be contributing to this. So, um, so for someone who's addicted to social media, it could be that, um, you know, their parents are both working, they're not as available. So they're not getting a lot of one-on-one attention that they might need, or they might feel really lonely because they have social anxiety and don't know how to make friends in a healthy way. Um, so, so I like to get to the root of it. Um, I offer different types of trauma therapy that are, um, neurocounseling. So it's about rewiring the nervous system, updating those memories to get you, um, to a more present place versus feeling like you're stuck in the past. And, and of course those show up in the present in the forms of anxiety, depression, addiction, anger issues, so on and so forth. So that's, yeah, that's super helpful to to kind of get that context. Um, what are some of the things that you hear from people when, in terms of positive, uh, like moments they have when they're mm-hmm. starting to break out of this, these, yeah. these patterns, what are, what, like, what are some of the kind of feelings that they express or, or thoughts in terms of like what they have room for now in their lives? Yeah. 
Um, so oftentimes it's a deeper connection to themselves, to other people in the world. So when they start to have more of that, it's like this huge aha light bulb moment of like, this is what I've been craving. Like, this is what I've been missing that I've been trying to feed myself, feed my spirit with, you know, gaming or shopping. Um, so, so they have this deeper understanding of what they really need and how to sustain that going forward. That's yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. And and what's that like for you, Zuleika, when you're, when you're there with them and they have that yeah. moment, like, how does that feel for you as yeah. a, as a care provider? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what makes it worth it to me. You know, <laughs> I, I, I love what I do. I love helping people. Um, I love seeing results and, that just makes it so much more worth it. You know, I feel like it creates this ripple effect where um, this pebble is now going to, you know, create this ripple into other areas of their life and then create healthier families, healthier communities, healthier culture. So, you know, I like to start with the individual and I just, I, I think the sky's the limit from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, what I've been thinking about too is that all these it's kind of like these, uh, this, this, you know, the internet had kind of brought to the surface a lot of these, you know, probably these addictions have been with us for a long time mm -hmm. um, in terms of the need for constant approval or the need for instant gratification in various forms. I mean, it's, the, the modern world has been supplying that for a long time, but um, it seems like the internet just like to your point that you you described earlier, just made it so, so accessible, like mm -hmm. with the Amazon one, <laughs> you yeah. know, one click and it's, and it's the here tomorrow, you know, it's yeah. like, yeah. um, that, that I think it's, I think in a way it's, it's scary, but also I feel like it's a powerful kind of opportunity for us to kind of see what's been maybe a little bit further below the surface for, mm -hmm. you know, for decades or maybe even yeah. longer. Right, right. So there's the there's the issue of the internet addiction and the culture that it's creating. But then there's the the real issue, which is underneath the surface, um, which is so important to, you know, get to a professional and, and try to get resolved. Otherwise, it's going to keep happening. You know, I've also seen in my practice where we work on one addiction, but then it's replaced with another with like eating addiction, for example. Um, so that's why I always encourage people like get to the root of it, do the trauma therapy if you can. And once you do that, you'll have a higher, higher success rate. Because it's again, it's rewiring your whole nervous system and it's updating those um, negative thoughts or maladaptive behaviors as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, that it's important what, you know, what you just, you, you keep touching on is so important to, un, to address the underlying issues because the internet is not like alcohol or cocaine where you can live yeah. <laughs> at least anymore. It's, it's like a lot of process addictions, mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. like a disordered eating or, or yeah. an eating disorder or, or, um, you know, sex addiction or, or things where it's like you might not be able to totally forego that activity right. yeah um and in, in our world today uh, it's just probably not very realistic for most of us to completely give up the internet altogether exactly exactly yep so the root of it's there it just manifests in different ways 
Before we begin this next section, I just wanted to mention that we had to switch recording platforms at this point, which slightly affected the quality. You can definitely still hear both of us fine, but I just wanted to mention that um, so that it doesn't distract you. So yeah, and, and one of the things that you treat specifically with uh, internet addiction is, is gaming addiction. Cause, so cause, could you talk a little bit about <laughs> aspects of that that are unique to gaming? um in terms yeah. of addiction yeah sure so um so gaming addiction believe it or not is the only form of internet addiction that the dsm or the psychiatric world really um has confirmed as being an addiction so in other words like we have a diagnosis for it it's been researched there's treatment for it um that's that's been researched as well um, not to say that the other forms are not going to be, they're, they're working on it, they're just not there yet. So the, DS, the DSM, um, the Diagnostic Statistics Manual, does qualify gaming addiction as a behavioral addiction, and it's the only one that they really qualify at this time. Um, so the gaming addiction, you know, I talked about how some of them are a lot more stronger and harder to break. This is definitely one of those. Um, you know, a lot of the games that people get addicted to, uh, you know, they trigger that fight or flight part of your brain. Like they get you very involved. They're very immersive. Um, you know, people are wearing their, their headphones and they're like zone out. They're just completely in the game, talking to teammates. Um, some of them even have like the virtual reality. So it really triggers different parts of your brain to, to um, imagine that you're there fighting or you know, taking action in some way. So because of that, it's a lot more addictive. Um, you know, we talked about that need for distance, the need for boundaries and delayed gratification. Um, you're not getting very much of that when it comes to games. So the games can be um, through a video game console, they can be from your phone, computer games, they can be really anything. The ones that are the most addictive are gonna be the more violent and aggressive ones. So, so are, yeah, are there any, it's not necessarily one particular type of game, like a fantasy right. game or like a first person shooter game, or mm -hmm. it, it can be any sort of, of yeah. a variety of, of different like styles of, of video game. Yeah. It just, um, are there any that are particularly more addictive than others? Yeah, yeah. So the first person shooter games are very addictive, um, as well as these games where you're fighting with a team. Um, because part of it is not necessarily the dopamine or the adrenaline rush that you're getting. It's the camaraderie. It's the feeling mm -hmm. of belonging, which um, I, I think there has been an increase in that since the pandemic, because a lot of teams were at home. A lot of teams couldn't or kids couldn't really see their peers. They couldn't get out there and socialize. So they had to turn to games to meet people or to connect with friends. So there is that layer there where, um, you know, what we're really dealing with here is like that need for connection again, that, that seems to come up with every addiction really. Mm -hmm. um, but when they make it so accessible, so easy to put on that persona and, you know, make an avatar, like your ideal version of yourself, um, it, it lets people feel you know, scene, it makes them feel like they belong to something bigger. So yeah, is that, is that the problematic part of it? Because at first, when you were saying connection, I was like, well, maybe that might be kind of a good thing, you know, yeah. like, even, uh, you know, 
it's mediated through a video game, but but the fact that you're collaborating and connecting with others, maybe that yeah. there's a there's a healthy element in there. Right. Is, there is is the part of it where it gets unhealthy? I mean, obviously the addictive part, but then mm-hmm. also that it's not necessarily really you. It's like this right. idealized representation of you. Yeah. So that's a big part of it. Um, so the question is, you know, if the fantasy is becoming your reality, then is it an issue? So is it interfering with you creating in-person relationships or spending time with family, spending time, um, you know, there's even kids who bring their, you know, handheld consoles to school. Like they go take a bathroom break or they like are late to school, just trying to catch up on their games. So when it's getting in the way of your daily real life, then it's an issue. Um, I'm not knocking it though. Like, I think the fact that people can meet people online is great, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's done in moderation, you know, I've even gone so far as to say, like, have you met your online friends? Like, can you meet them? Like, realistically, like, is this something you'd be interested in if you guys are really like connecting and vibing with each other? Um, you know, I don't recommend it for like kids and teens to do without parental consent. But, you know, if it has reached that point where you're really finding like your place and it's through this like virtual world, then how do we make it more of a reality for you? Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. It's the moderation thing comes up a lot with this stuff and it can Mm -hmm. be, but like for me, it also feels very tricky when we're talking about online behaviors in particular, because Mm -hmm. it's not just like, um because the nature of it like what we talked about a little bit last time with like the um the engineering that goes into it and the fact that artificial intelligence is now like you know they're they're increasingly getting smarter and smarter so it's like it's not a fair fight like if i go in trying to to moderate um right right it's i'm 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 my brain is significantly outmatched by yeah (laughs) <laughs> right it's like playing chess with like the computer the computer already knows how right, to play, right right so it's it's definitely one of those situations um so yeah you know so going back to how they are designed to get you hooked they are designed to get you to spend money and buy more weapons or more tools or mm. whatever to level up um that's part of the thrill is leveling up you know what do i need to get to that next level because then I've proven myself to my team. I feel good about myself. I get that adrenaline, that dopamine rush. Um, so it's kind of in a way similar to gambling addiction, if you think about it. You know, it's all about that next high. Yeah. Um, so I got this one. I got the five hundred dollars, but man, like that five thousand looks even better. You know. Right. Um, so what do I need to do to get to that place? And that's actually something that comes, um, you know, to play when we're providing treatment. Is how do we kind of create it? where treatment is like a game where you can level up. Mm. So for example, let's document how many hours you've been playing and then maybe we'll cut it down. And instead of playing the game, you're going to do something in real life. So you're going to go to Starbucks with a friend. You're going to go to the gym. And if you complete that, you have leveled up. So what do we do after that? You know? Um, So it's kind of, you got to get creative. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, people that are addicted to gaming need some of the most more intensive interventions they really need you know that accountability because it is highly addictive and it's so accessible as long as you have the internet you can probably play so mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense yeah um 
man, yeah, so much to, I'm having to restrain myself from asking because <laughs> there's, so, there's so many things, uh, there's so many points of connection to addiction as, you know, chemical abuse, uh, substance abuse, but also so many unique points. So it's, yeah. there's, there's a lot of things firing in my head of like, oh, I wonder about this, but so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to respect myself and respect your time. Um, but yeah, so what would you, so if you had something that you would want to pass on to people that are listening, who feel like they might be struggling with internet addiction, whether it's gaming, social media, email, or any of the other forms, shopping, any of the other forms we touched on, what would you want to pass on to them? Um, so I would tell him that that internet addiction is a very common problem, is coming even becoming even more common than we realized. Um, and you can take control of it. Um, you can find the support that you need so that you can find your place in life and create the life that you want. So I would just uh, encourage them to reach out. People are out there. You have me if you want to reach out or if you want to find other, um, you know, internet addiction coaches, you know, I'm happy to help you find that one as well. All right. Well, that sounds great. Thank you so much, Suleika. This is, this is great talking with you. You too. Thank you so much, Matt. All right. That's it for this episode. I'm Matt Shedd. Zuleika asked me to point out that listening to this podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended as a substitute for therapy. If you or someone you know needs support, you can reach out to her or another therapist to get connected with a provider that can help you. The link to her practice is in the show notes. My name is Matt Shedd, and if you want to know about my production company, my writing, or you're interested in collaborating on a creative project, you can reach out to me at mattshedd.com. That's M-A-T-T-S-H-E-D-D.com. My main man, Jordan Detweiler, wrote and recorded the theme song you are hearing in the background, and this show is co-produced by psychologist Dr. Carissa Balderas. Thank you so much for joining us. We're already looking forward to next time.